What's shaking, cats and kittens? I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever-changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin, and I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinan Hamden neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Well, shaking cats and kittens, this is Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art, and I am here to tell you about Cinco de Mayo at Sandlot. So, music, food, art, and good weather back in Baltimore. Bring your mask, thirst, and good vibes. Join Bad Hombres playing live music. Enjoy delicious food from my friends at Casino Luchadoras. Listen to the best of Latinx beats from DJ Just Jewett. Purchase handmade Mexican mask and Mexi art or a unique piece of handmade jewelry from Marina Jewelry. It's free entrance. This is going to be at the Sandlot, and that is 1000 Will Street in Baltimore, Maryland, 21231. So pull up and check it out. From 6 to 7.30, we're going to have DJ Just Jewett. From 7.30 to 9, Bad Hombres. 9 to 10, we're going to have DJ Just Jewett back in mixing live. So masks, social distance required, but pull up. It's a free event. It's really cool. Celebrate Cinco de Mayo in style, and that is Cinco de Mayo at Sandlot. Tell your boy Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is an American street artist whose uh, work has had significant museum and international recognition. I have Gaia on the podcast. Hey, how are you? Great to be here. I'm fantastic. Um, and thank you for coming on to the pod. Um, <laughs> so, um, and starting off, uh, you know, 30,000 foot view, I can't really speak at length on what the guest's background is. So I'd like to let you do it. Speak on your background on what your work is and give the, the fine folks out there who are uninitiated what you're all about. Sure. Yeah. So once again, my name is Gaia. I am primarily a muralist. Um, I'm essentially a conceptual artist who works with paint. So I'm a painter. Um, but I paint large format. I paint really large, um, all over the world. I paint on all six continents that are habitable by humans. Um, I have not yet painted on Antarctica, nor do I tend to, um, yeah, my focus <laughs> is primarily urban. Um, although I have worked in rural environments as well, you know, I'm sort of not necessarily tied to any one environment. Um, and my work is very much research, research based. Um, it tries and endeavors to understand a place um, from an outsider's perspective. Um, I try to collaborate um, in order to develop a more close dialogic, you know, relationship with a place. And then I'll create some content for it, either illegally um, through unsanctioned posters on vacant property or um, through the sanctioned process of, um, um, either working directly with a client, whether it's a hotel um, or a restaurant, you know, something in the service or hospitality sector, or um, the completely opposite, um, you know, working in consensus building workshop based, um, committee based, like community art process. Mm 
um, where we'll work with grants and have large conversations with lots of stakeholders. So that's sort of who I am in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So when it when it comes to like the large formats, as you can see on this visual representation, my face is a large format. How can I get, how can I get my face on a mural? Make it happen. Let's do it. No, um, that is everyone's request. Depends on where you're at. But um, if, it, if you're surrounded by young, courageous people, which is Baltimore is full of young, bold people. Then you'll yeah. hear often, hey, get me on the wall. Can I get on the wall? How do I get myself on the wall? Yeah, everyone's talking about the wall. It's, it, it gets, uh, it's, I don't want to call it redundant. It is funny, though. Um, it's on my bucket list. It's on my bucket list now. I, um, I've had some of the, uh, some of the, uh, murals that you've, you've worked on or what have you. I've had, um, as the, the, I guess the subjects within them, I've had as guests on the podcast. I'm like, I'll know I made it when I see my face with a green background and all of that. So I'm just putting a bug out there. I'm better than these other people just for context. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Do something totally heroic and or have a good relationship with a photographer. Yeah, that's usually you know, how people get featured in my work. If I'm featuring portraits, um, gotcha. I'll often collaborate with a photographer to develop that. I'm trying. I'm trying to work it out. I mean, I, I will say, <laughs> I will say, in terms of the 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 type of um, of guests I've had on. The photographers, me and the photographers mesh because I think their view is very broad and they're seeing so many things or what have you. Like sometimes it may be individuals, maybe like direct subject work and it may be more broad as in like landscapes and things like that, but they have a broader appeal and the conversations are always really like wild conversations. So in, in, in this, and I'm trying to mix up my questions because this is a re-recording for all you cats and kittens out there. Uh, so being around, um, other creatives do you feel that you elicit any energy from other creatives and maybe transfer that into your work because you've been out there for a minute you've been doing your thing for a while so do you get energized being around other creatives or do you just kind of prefer to do your own solo dolo thing um that's an interesting question i collaborate with people often whether it's other artists or whether it is in the content development phase, it's more like consultation per se, um, where I'll get people who know about something um, involved and I'll pay them for their time and labor and they will provide insight on the subject matter at hand. And that's usually about where they live mm-hmm. um, or they're involved in some sort of civic engagement process, like a community association um, of, of, you know, of like, um, other creatives directly though, um, in my life, I cannot quite say that I'm necessarily inspired by other people. Um, I, I do have a duality, um, in my life that sort of emanates maybe from some sort of social behavioral issue growing up, but I'm quite paranoid. Um, same. <laughs> you know, and I do, I, I could be misconstrued as an activist, if you will. Um, and there is this sort of aura around me, you know, where I had at one point been quite a, um, illustrious criminal, um, just around putting up, you know, artwork where it shouldn't be. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm banned from Canada and arrested in two states, da, da, da. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to other creatives, I like to just be very pointed and direct and um, specific with who I'm engaging. Sure. Um, I also do a lot of curatorial projects, so I just don't want to be, um, you know, I want to be selective um, with who I hang out with. Um, I do often, my work is often collaborative. So for example, I just created this project in Waverly and I worked with a floral designer, um, whose brand is Pomona, um, Sir Roberto. And I worked with a photographer, Sean Champion, who also has worked with Pomona, um, to create a kind of trifecta where I will simply ask them um, according to a very loose and open framework to yeah. create a tableau um, around a, you know, barely a, a concept, the concept just being joy and beauty. Um, and then I will take from that photo shoot and from that collaborative content and then rearrange it to, to make a mural. Um, mm -hmm. So, so that's sort of a insight into maybe my direct engagement where I'm actually sure. really, um, can work well, um, and cooperatively. Um, otherwise, yeah, I like to keep it. I mean, this isn't very popular word, but quite lone wolf status. No, I, I dig it. Um, you know, you can't have too many, uh, cooks in the kitchen as it were. And, uh, Sean is great. I've interviewed Sean. Sean is, uh, great. We were just talking about having weird stuff in Baltimore and it was like funny. We both had, we, we were talking and she said something very obscure, pop a culture oriented. And I was like, I know about that. And, and we kind of just vibed off of that. So it was, it's always great when you can connect to someone that kind of gets where you're coming from in certain, certain regards. And even if it's outside of a creative construct, like me interviewing you in this place or have you, as a, I'm a host and you're obviously very talented individual. So kind of being able to connect on that different level is really cool. Um, yes. So where I'm recording that right now is a very different place from where we recorded that initially. I'm in that neighborhood near where, um, the frontiers mural is at. And, um, I saw it today actually. <laughs> so, um, and that's just, just great. Like I said before, work is just beautiful, thought-provoking, the whole thing, especially in, in what you're doing in the neighborhoods and some of the uh, condemned properties and all bringing attention to those areas. Um, do, do you have like, because I, I know you mentioned it before when, when we talked about you're, you're usually not there, you know, to see what the response might be to your work, but maybe online, have you run into anything on that? Like, just people kind of putting out positive or memorable kind of things, or is it just a lot of crappy kind of responses to what you're doing? What's your take around that? Um, man, that's loaded. Yeah. I mean, I'll say I like to be loaded. I like to be loaded. No, yeah, sure. Um, you know, the work, the yeah, frontiers is there that existed. Um, open walls, Baltimore two and, and one, um, definitely had their fair share of criticisms leveled against them. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and they were lacking in many regards, um, both iterations. Um, what, you know, I, I, I'm obviously, I really only get a sense of how people appreciate the work once I'm painting in situ. And then yeah. afterwards, of course, yeah, I'm not quite aware. 
<clears throat> admittedly, the social media response is, you know, or the virtual response is generally positive because you're just being tagged in people who treat it as some sort of background, um, yeah. you know, and so that's, that's, that's a, a kind of participatory action. And that's great. Um, mm -hmm. I think I've isolated myself enough where I don't interact with the people who would be otherwise. I mean, the Waverly mural has generated its own criticisms as well. Um, namely for featuring a white woman on the front of the building. Um, and so I've had some snarky comments, um, in regards to that, which I'm quite, I mean, I know this is not another, yeah, good word, but like, you know, quite fragile about, so, um, yeah, it, it, it cuts evenly per se. I got to do a lot of maintenance. Um, and then there's a lot of celebration, um, of the work simultaneously. So we kind of it's hard to parse through the criticism and really see what is genuine um, and coming from a genuine place, but maybe it's not really my place to decide anyway. That's fair. That's fair. So in the effort of being genuine and having like genuine authenticity, all of that stuff, I think is, I think, is is important obviously within the art scene because I think people start looking at it and it's like, eh, this might be bullshit or, or why are you doing this? What, what, what is it? How do you try to balance being genuine and also making, making that bread as it were? Like, how are you able to balance those, those different things and trying to be genuine and trying to still do what you feel you want to do as a creative mm. while you know what I mean? Like, uh, making, making the money and, and doing what's necessary to necessary to survive as a creative. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, you just sort of may not make it anyone else's business or business per se. Um, that's yeah. a great way to just avoid any nonsense. Um, yeah. It's someone that overshares quite a lot on social media. I can say that. Uh, yeah. I mean, you just, yeah, I mean, it, it really just comes down to principles or lack thereof and or um, it's paradoxical because um, there really is no meeting um, between two polar viewpoints per se. It doesn't have to happen. Um, some sort of understanding or middle ground doesn't have to emerge magically. And, um, I think just being Zen or comfortable with that dissonance and, um, understanding that people are going to have their opinions, um, and that one does necessarily have to be dismissive in order to survive. Um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I don't really have any, um, I don't have like a magical panacea for haters, um, you know, they exist and once again, sort of understanding who's speaking from a place of immense hurt or who is just completely misunderstanding, um, the task at hand, um, is difficult and not necessarily, uh, the object of the criticisms, um, you know, it's not your responsibility to figure it out per se. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I try just from a more, from a less broad perspective and a more, um, intimate perspective, I try to be as helpful as possible, um, without extending myself too much to my local community to generate, um, goodwill amongst people that really affect my life on a daily and communal basis. So if you're not a muralist who's talented in Baltimore, who's actively practicing and asserting yourself, or if you're not interested in following the entrepreneurial model, um, you know, to, to, to set up your own niche here or follow in the yeah. footsteps or others, or just blaze your own trail. Um, then I don't rightly care about what you have to say, but if you, from an internal perspective, if someone that I have worked with in the past or someone whose work I do genuinely respect and they're a part of my mural community here, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, I have to um, really ensure that I'm not creating any sense of um, betrayal or ambivalence so that we can um, maintain a relatively united front. You know, we're a pretty not competitive group. Um, and we've all worked with each other in some capacity and have been pretty good at squashing any sort of conflict that may arise. So, yeah, I just look towards, um, those signals, um, the people who are actively practicing, um, for genuine insight and criticism on perspectives. And as long as they're feeling good about something, I'm feeling good about it. Um, I'll have known I truly fucked up yeah otherwise that was uh very well said very thoughtful because i think um you're right the the key thing that i quote on is like there's always going to be like some haters to always have something to say and you know as this thing that i'm doing has gotten a little bigger and people are seeing it for the longest time no one gave a shit right and then suddenly as soon as there's some attention then haters start flying out like you you know you get that that those one star reviews and say, like, Oh, this is going to hurt me. This matters. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> and you know, and then it's the other thing. It's like, okay, people are talking. It's like, Baltimore's not big. I mean, I walk everywhere. Let's have a conversation about this. I'm sure you'll see things differently. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I don't know if there's enough time for that. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm frankly, I'm more of the camp of like, leave me the fuck off. You get it. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter that much. Like, why are you spending time critiquing something that I'm doing that has nothing to do with you? Yeah. Straight up. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I do have this valve or this, like, um, this sense or this, I don't want to call it a weakness or it, I do have space in my brain to hear people out, obviously, because I'm a public artist. Um, I have had admittedly, as this has become my job um, and what I made consistent money from, which is, which is, which is slightly problematic um, because then I need consistent revenue from something that can't always provide it for reasons that are not monetary but more so like ethical. Yeah. You know, it's hard to just move certain slow moving community processes along. 
Um, but if you need that net check, then, um, you know, you might cheat or circumvent and, or be tempted to, you know, not solicit the kind of insight that you need to make really good projects. Um, yeah. So, so I recognize that deriving so much revenue from this practice can be problematic in and of itself. Um, simultaneously, I've been doing it for so long. I have gotten a little cantankerous or recalcitrant, you know, where I'm just like really need people to mind their own business. Um, unless they've done some of their own homework, which is totally unfair, but if they do want to engage with the work and I'd rather they know everything, um, that is open and, um, transparent about the process. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, like I've followed some of your stuff or what have you, because you want to make sure you got, um, outside of the, you know, what I see around and, you know, just looking at that, that social media flow, what have you, and I was like, all right, I, I can have a conversation with Gaia <laughs> without it being like, okay, might be a dick, you know, what have you, but just turns out like you're, you're, you're a thoughtful and, you know, a, obviously a very, a very smart person or what have you. So it's, it's good to be able to have those conversations and kind of listen to you really think out what it is and, and take that moment to really articulate what is going on in your, your head at that moment about what you're doing and what the process looks like. Whereas other people, you get those almost caveman monosyllabic responses. And it's like, all right, cool. So that's it. That is that deep. Cool. I got it. So, all good. <laughs> so, um, in, in the many things that, that you've done, you, you've touched on that you, you're at this kind of stage where you're feeling a little bit more cantankerous, maybe jaded was a word that we, we've discussed in the past. Yeah, sure. Um, what has, what would make you feel like accomplished or what has made you feel accomplished? And I'm very jealous right now as I see what's going on. I'm very jealous. <laughs> um, I am smoking a giant. I'm jealous. Uh, I, I, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, you know, also audio, you know, you gotta remember some people might not see this. Well, Second that's that problem. Yeah. Um, As we talked about before, that's for them to worry about. Yeah. Well, now they they have uh, they they know the smoking gun that's in the room. Um, ah. um uh, accomplishment. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's sort of more of a uh, mental well-being question. Um, yeah. And maybe well suited for someone who's more on top of their shit and wasn't such a workaholic in their twenties. Um, I'm a little burned out and I'm a little late to the to the self work thing. Um, yeah. So I'm not necessarily feeling totally accomplished yet. I want to do a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. I am, but I'm simultaneously pretty exhausted. Um, I mean, I get my moments here and there. I do like to hear people who are not a part of the art scene or not normally, um, or, you know, who don't identify as artists or as creative types who yeah. recognize the work around whatever city and can connect the dots and um, maybe have, you know, created their own mental map. Yeah. You know, and they've, and, and once again, they've drawn correlations to other work over the years. And then they'll tell me that story back to me. And I'll be like, wow, that's so cool that you 
have seen both pieces and recognize the style and figure that they were the same artist. And now I'm here to confirm that. And I can tell you some backstory and that provides a deeper insight um, technically for them to share with whomever they so feel. Um, yeah. And that creates a kind of iterative, wonderful moment. Um, so that is satisfying. That, that does feel like an accomplishment. Um, definitely is one. (laughs) It takes time. You know, obviously I've been doing it for 13 years in the city and I've only been painting murals in the city for, for eight. Um, you know, um, I've organized 32 and then painted roughly another 20 myself, 15, 20. Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, we was definitely averaging, you know, one every three weeks back in the day for sure um you know every you know so but you know all various sort of um from a scale perspective not not the most massive walls just sort of classic two three story party walls not not the four stories or anything larger than that here in Baltimore at least gotcha so I got a, I got a few more questions, uh, cause like I said, I was gonna, I was gonna remix it. You know, I had to remix it a little bit. I didn't want to hit you with the old stuff. I want to hit you the new stuff. So, uh, I said that like a rapper, by the way, unintentional. Uh, so what, when, <laughs> when, when you, you look at some of the, the stuff that you've done, like, um, internationally or, or, or locally or what have you, What's like a really like wild story that like, like comes to mind that just pops up, like a story from the road, if you will, um, that just pops up and you're like, yeah, this is something that I'm, this was a sketchy situation that I got out of, or this was surprised I got that done in, in that, in that time frame. What, what's something that really like pops into your head where you think of, okay, this is a good story. What's one that just pops in your head? Yeah, um, there are lots and lots of those kinds of crazy stories. So I'm, I'm assuming you want, you know, like the old me. I mean, the old, I mean, wh- whichever you want to provide, this is all on you. Whatever, whichever yeah, one you want to provide. Old me, obviously new okay. me gets stoned and tries to stay inside as much as possible and be extremely calculated about the risks that I take. Whereas old me. That's funny. That's funny. As shit, would, actually. um, <laughs> Old me, yeah, it was once again, I years year in probation, banned from Canada, arrested in two states, um, almost got arrested in Biloxi. Um, you know, I used to go across country all the time. Um, I've been chased by a million police. I used my King, King's English accent and my articulation to get out of, and, you know, my white privilege to get out of multiple uh-huh. um, police interactions, many, that's, probably 150. I mean, at the end of the day, it's paper and glue, right? Yeah. I was putting up paper yeah. and glue. Um, and I was maybe breaking and entering and then putting up paper and glue. And then that wouldn't have been a thing. Like I was once arrested on a B&A in New York. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, spending it, spending time inside and then hearing your arresting officer tell you that you're facing a year on your first arrest is like, that sucks. Um, yeah. Obviously didn't stick, but um, still sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I could, I could laugh about it because I was making money for my artwork. Yeah. Um, so I was able to fund lawyers on retainer. Wasn't a lot, yeah. you know, be case specific, but in, in compared to what other people can afford. Yeah, it was a lot, you know, it'd be like 2,500, $4,000 get 
everything figured out. Um, but I, yeah, once again, I was really blessed that I was living independently from my work. So I could yeah. take these insane risks. My parents couldn't really, they're very laissez-faire and they, and I had all these wonderful accolades, you know, for museums, galleries and other things. So it yeah. was a bit of a, um, they, they, they really couldn't say shit. They would just ask me how I was doing. Um, yeah, I was already traveling internationally from like 19 years old and selling work in galleries and taking advantage of all that stuff. Um, cause they blessed me with growing up in New York city. So I just had access to that kind of market. Um, sure. and street art was just popular and blowing up. Um, <clears throat> what's the ultimate, what's the ultimate story? I mean, I have painted Robert Moses and the freedom tunnels in New York city, which are these tunnels that run from the 125th street down to uh, 72nd. They're famous. Yeah. And I spent two days down there after Chris freedom papes um, work was buffed out. I saw that it was painted gray and the New York times had written this article about it. And so, you know, painted gray and I came back and I did this piece, but you know, it's not a crazy story. I think the craziest story was um, I was in Rome, I was in Italy, and I was only doing illegal shit. I was studying the city and then going out for 21 days. I just spent time making street work specific for the streets and, you know, doing lots of nice anti-fascist actions and going to Milano and, you know, being squat parties and shit like that and visiting squats. I mean, doing my little anarchist early 20s days. Um, and I flew, flew myself to Rome. You know, you know, this is before Trump was saying Antifa. This is before he ruined the the pronunciation, right? Like yeah, on, yeah. Antifa is where it's at, obviously. You yeah. know, Italians are all about the black. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so it's like, just funny. But anyway, you know, I was running around studying, visiting different sites, planning different hits. I waited for some of the last trains to go through the metro. And Rome has two lines. One runs east-west, one runs north-south. I was on the north-south line. I was walking south towards Ayur, this crazy fascist neighborhood built, you know, during the Mussolini era. Nutty. Mm -hmm. Totally far in the south. And as you walk from Garbatello metro station, you have this canyon of rock slowly emerge on either side to the point where you're really two stories what it feels like under a hill because they obviously yeah. built this track straight but rome you know has very undulating roads so yeah. you'll find yourself quite stuck in like a kind of an open tunnel um but then it has the traditional classic subway tunnels yeah and yeah. so i did i did the the walk that is super scary where you've mm -hmm. got that like two foot side on the right hand side. I don't know if you've ever seen like a subway in New York or something. Yeah. You'll notice there's this walk. There's a side walk way. Yes. Um, ideally what you want to do is always prepare yourself for any passing trains, not like suck you into it because it creates a vacuum effect. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause this bullet pushing through with very little space and the air has yeah. to go somewhere. Um, so ideally you don't have to hit a passing train, although in New York it'd be easier because you have these little 
like hideout gaps that you could dip into really nicely. Whereas here, yeah. it was just this walkway. It was fine. I wouldn't have died. It just would have been very stressful. So I was able to get through that tunnel, get on the other side, walk to this massive, long, white, simple bridge with a simple six foot ledge. Um, mm -hmm. And I took my mini roller and I started at one end of the bridge, which is about a hundred meters long, you know, a little bit less than a football field. And halfway across it, you know, three quarters of the way across, I wrote, Nazialismo è un illusione facile. Uh, nationalism is an easy illusion, right? So massive across the whole bridge. Nice. And it got to a point where like, um, you know, I'm doing it and someone even stopped their car and said something in Italian, like, don't get paid on my car. And I was like, okay, it's <laughs> you know, finish it up. Um, Metro passes. I get on the ground. All good. I go through the tunnel again, making my way. And I get back to Garbatella Metro station, which has this massive wall on it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to paint like an African dude's face. Cause there were a lot of African migrants that were coming to Italy. Um, this is prior to the uh, Syrian refugee crisis mm -hmm. um, many years before. But it was like, you know, Italy's always had crises around refugees because they are so close to North Africa with Lampedusa being very close to Libya and them having this post-colonial relationship. Um, and the EU hasn't always necessarily helped or been there. So it has been a disjointed policy and um, various administrations have had different ways of dealing with them, being humane yeah. and or being very inhumane. Um, and so because it was such an, an important issue, I decided to paint this African man's face that I had known. Um, there's a big African community just by uh, Termini in central yeah. Roma. Um, so I knew a lot about Cameroonian people from my like hair braiding and whatnot. So anyway, I paint this dude's face real big and I'm halfway through it with this big pole. You know, I'd, I would take a 20 foot pole, right. And I'd have a mini roll at the end and I would uh, paint from the ground, but it'd be like 18 feet tall portrait. Yeah. You know, like, like maybe 15 feet, like, you know, story and a half tall portrait, big ass roller. Um, you know, I got my bucket and my watery paint. And this dude walks across the bridge that goes across this massive layup of six train tracks behind me, you know, because it really opens yeah. up. It's no longer this like canyon of rock, but now it's opened up and I'm painting on this massive wall. Yeah. Goes across the tracks, gets down, you can barely see him. And he yells, ah, 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 you know, and some Italian shit to me. And I can't speak Italian. <laughs> I'm Italian, yeah. but I can't speak <laughs> Italian. I'm an Italian American. So I turn to him and I go, I can't fucking understand you. I don't speak Italian. And I kept on working. Cause it's like, stop. Yeah. If you're going to keep on yelling, just stop bothering me. And he keeps on yelling and then he gets on a phone. So I'm like, Oh shit. He's obviously, I got like 15 more minutes. I'm crazy. I should have already left. Right. I should have yeah, been yeah. like, Oh, I got 15 minutes. Let me just dip out. Yeah. Nah, I'm like, oh, I got 15 minutes until like, to keep I don't working. know what the fuck I'm thinking. So I'm like, I'm going to keep yeah. working. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep working. So I wrap it up. Yeah. 
I am almost done. And I've kind of forgotten now, like about this 15 minutes thing. And I start to hear this jangling of keys on my left hand side. I look over and like fucking just 50 feet away from me are two men all in black running full speed towards me. And I just grab my pole, grab my bucket, throw my bucket of paint away. And with my pole, like a fucking javelin stick, I'm just running (laughs) with high knees, like from football days, like all the way down these tracks away from going, oh shit, oh fucking shit. If these people catch me, they will fucking kill me. And now turn my ass in. Like there's no way they're not going to kick my ass when they catch me. There's I'm alone at night in these tracks and they have had to come around unlock the station and try to sneak up on my ass. So clearly they're fucking pissed. So I'm this is racing through my head. I'm like, I'm going to fucking die on these tracks basically. And the only thing I'm thinking is don't trip because that's what everyone does on train tracks. They always get caught up on that wooden shit. I'm running, keeping my knees high. I'm running, running, running. And it's now at this point, it's like, who's going to just have the stamina? I got yeah. 50 feet on them and they barely snuck up on me. Right. So like, mm-hmm. they're not really catching up and I weigh 125 pounds wet. I'm a fast motherfucker. So like I'm flying <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm the one who doesn't want to die. So, but ahead of me, I'm thinking I've only got these Metro tunnels that I snuck through. And then that long ass bridge, what do I have to escape? Nothing. I've got these canyons of rock. They were the ones coming from the direction to really yeah. block that whole train line. Yeah. So I'm just running like, fuck it. I'm going to take them to the tunnels. Let's see what kind of, you know, whether they want to do that. Um, cause I'm happy to do that. Like, you know, I used to grow up in New York and I I've been mugged as a kid and I, I, I realized if I just ran against traffic, like a movie, yeah. <laughs> I could like just escape, you know, yeah. I'd always like be like, nah, that's too crazy. I just like, you know, it's kind of like playing football. You just like, everyone wants to stop and you just kind of like duck and weave through the fucking traffic. It's surprisingly easy. Um, (laughs) I mean, you got to be able to break people's ankles. You know, you got to be very nimble. And so I'm obviously not going to turn around on these motherfuckers. And I still have this javelin pole of a, of a painting stick and I'm running, 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 running. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to get out of here. And then I realized there's this little dip in the rock. And there's like an eight and a half, nine foot tall gate, like a 10 foot tall oh. gate. Yeah. And it's fucking flat at top. No, no uh, barbed wire, nothing. Yeah. And I shit you not. I just <laughs> go across the tracks. I throw this javelin of a paint pole across the gate. I hear people go, ah, start screaming. I jump up grab the top of the gate and pull myself up leap down and i'm in the backyard of a fucking nightclub and there's people drinking around me i fucking pick up the stick go right through them like fuck this keep on running keep on running and i dip through the side streets over the tracks you know on the street that goes over the tracks back down towards the metro station from where they chased me because that's where i lived at (laughs) kept on meandering the streets just in case they called anybody else and then got to my house and smoked a really big hash joint 
<laughs> wow. That is amazing. It's just, I'm just high kneeing. I, I, you, you mentioned, I was like, are you going to use the damn paint pole as like a javelin? And I was like, this is amazing. I wish it would be cool if I turn around and just beat the shit out of both of them. Like, okay. I was just like, boom, boom, done. I thought you were going to like, at one point, I was like, at the beginning, I was like, are you just going to say you're jousting? You just crack one over the head with the damn paint That'd pole? Be so dope. <laughs> It just turns into like oh, dark, mad dark, <laughs> yeah. mad dark. Yeah. Like I get arrested, you know, for like well, indicted, like like extradited to Italy for murder. Like ah, the mystery of the security guard killed at night. <laughs> Tragedy in Roma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the the last question I have, and thank you for sharing this story. It was wild, entertaining. Um, the last question I have, uh, since um, Baltimore is home base for you, right? Um. Hit me with just some of the things you would want to see for um, for artists here to kind of get. Um, I know one of the common things it's usually resources, funding, exposure, things like that. So, you know, what within that vein do you feel that um, you know the art scene or, or creatively Baltimore needs more of? Mm. That's interesting. Um, I guess you know we need some sort of. Um, yeah what do we need as a community in terms of resources i i get my own resources from out of town yeah i've always tried to derive my resources from non-competitive places yeah. uh it helps to stay you know if, if i start winning local grants that's when you know like i'm done like that's when you know i've decided to throw the towel and move out of baltimore um, yeah, if I, if I like win the Sondheim, that's how, you know, I've like, all right, I gotta move. Cause that's like, you can't guy is done. <laughs> you gotta, you really gotta like be Baltimore to win one of these prizes, you know, and I'm just too New York. Um, yeah. I'll always be that way. And I like it that way. Um, to have anyway, that's just my philosophy. I'm trying to stay kind of non-competitive. A lot of people think that I have like, so I worked for the city once, right? I'm also the most talented muralist between here and okay. If you skip over Philadelphia, like Rhode Island. So one of the top, so like in terms of how quickly I can do it, photorealism, blah, blah, blah. I've only worked for the city once. Um, and that was, you know, about halfway, you know, it was a couple of years ago. So I have not in fact taken advantage of any of the resources dedicated to artists here. But whenever I do do a piece or I work with a community association or work with Central Baltimore Partnership or some sort of nonprofit, people naturally assume it's with BOPA. Um, and so a big sort of thorn in my side is painting locally here and or paying for the wall. Like I'll do a paid for wall every year. I'll donate resources and money to a thing, to a story, to a really compelling narrative. Um, that'll be Mr. Sharp, Duncan Street. That was for a resident who wanted Henry the Wax painted um, yeah. right on the east side. Um, that was for the A-Rabbers. Um, that was for Justin's... Um, I mean, you know, we we we're, we barely made anything, but Justin's Sandtown project. Um, yeah. Others, you know, I haven't really pulled much from here. Um, but once again, there's this misunderstanding, you know, I was doing that Waverly 
project and someone came out of the woodwork and was like, Bob is paying for the um, guy. And I'm like, damn, like people just don't know what's going on. Yeah. But anyhow, um, so that's like separate, I guess. Cut, oh, sure. cut. What do we need as a community in terms of resources? Um, as a mural community, <clears throat> something that I personally like, and I don't, know if I can speak for others, but I think this will become more of a popular way of working as more artists emerge to assert themselves. As, as street art and murals become even more popular, more people are going to try to scale up and try mm -hmm. to adapt to large format painting. Um, and I welcome that. Um, and so I think that there needs to be some sort of grant process that helps people grow without being stringently tied to a hierarchical kind of like DPW kind of system. Mm -hmm. I was able to make money in flow. Now, granted, yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes that it could have been avoided if I had a mentor. But let's say there was a loose mentorship network already that's in place because of the street art mural game. And then there are micro grants for a collaboration between a young emerging artist and a business say a career yeah. grocer yeah um these are things that i would have loved to have had funded if i was in baltimore now applying you know saying grants and resources all well and good but then application processes just mm -hmm. application processes always are they leave so much it, it doesn't seem satisfying Right. So it would have to be a kind of application process to be shortlisted for competing bids. But once you're shortlisted, it's kind of stable and nepotistic. But it's like once you're in the network, like once you've proven like I'm down to paint and I want to paint to tell stories about Baltimore that otherwise have obstacles to their narrative, like there's yeah. enough Mula Bula to just paint this mural here in a divested neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and if I paint in a reinvested space or in like a gentrified space, they don't want to tell that story. They always want to mollify it with some other shit. It, it's always more complicated. So what's wonderful about painting and it, let's call it colloquially the West side, like, um, is that you can tell very direct stories about black people's lives and there's no one there to question that. Um, yeah. and if that was something that was easier to do without big grants, um, but like entrepreneurial efforts, having their stories told, this is such a weird dream. This would be like, if someone was like me, but 10 years ago now, and they wanted to do what I used to do, which no one wants to ever fucking do apparently. But let's say they did. There should be a fund available for them to easily access that without graft or fraud. Yeah, that's like not even feasible. But <laughs> it's pie like in the sky here. It's pie in the sky I'm here. saying pie in the sky. Like, <clears throat> yeah, just if you want to tell a dope story, yeah, visually big publicly, you should be able to get five racks to dedicate yeah. to that, and that's enough to then maybe attract 10 grand worth of referrals and you just keep yes. moving and you just flow with it.
Um, cause the, I get the most jobs when I'm out, you yeah. know, and painting locally, I can actually turn into a kind of general painter. Like, you know, like you could do interiors, exteriors, you know, everyone wants to paint, um, once you're really out there, um, asserting <clears throat> yourself. So I mean, what everyone else generally needs are just, yeah, grants. They just need lots of easy access grants. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, one, one of the things that, that I throw around and kind of being in this outsider kind of space in terms of the art community, even though some people are nice, it's like, oh, you are an artist. It's like, I'm a podcaster and I appreciate and I value artists, but I'm, I'm a podcaster. And I mean, I guess yeah, it's because you're like somewhere between journalism and sound art. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, that's you fair. Could, that's I'm saying like that could be the spec the polar spectrum. Yeah. Like you could be like, I'm journalism. Or you could be like, I am John Cage. I don't make anything. You know, like that's the <laughs> I obviously could see my opinion on that. That's, that's right. <laughs> but ultimately what I what I'm getting at is I, I think I think you're right in just that the in the real general sense of having those resources kind of more accessible, easier to get because it's, I've talked to a few different artists that I know and it's like, Oh, this micro grant is available. This grant is available. That grant is available. And then I said, I don't know if they want to do that process because it's this, 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 this belief that, and I think they see it too, this belief that it's assessment that, yeah, it's supposed to be, let's say, a whole pie of eight slices, right? But really, five of those are already allocated. It's really three slices. And, you yeah. know, you're being told that there are more than there actually are. And some of them are already just earmarked, even of those three remaining slices. So you're in, in, in what you touched on earlier with that competitive competitiveness here. It's like you're just all going for this one twelfth opportunity, this one eighth opportunity, this twelve percent oh, opportunity yeah. to try to get something to really fund your creative thing and then have to actually do the work after fighting and hustling and grinding to get a micro grant, you know? Okay. So then here's the deal. So then the big problem with all Baltimore is the informal Okay, we're talking we're talking purely liberal shit, right? We're not talking like some DIY well, shit. We're I talking mean, purely liberal yeah. resources. We're talking about resources from the top down, trickling from the government somewhere, yes. private equity or public capital. You know, that's a perspective, right? So that's a very sure. liberal perspective that's not a DIY like us for us by us or like DIY. I'm, I'm just saying that for stuff. semantics. I'm just saying that for like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, sure. It's a foo reference, but you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's important just to lay out. So we're expecting that to come from Baltimore City. And our biggest liberal problem when it comes to macro and local economics is how we interact with our informal economies. Mm -hmm. The art community is, you know, derives so much from wage labor, service industry, um, work. Um, and then in a kind of an informal small business model that can't really get formalized to the point where it could receive grants like someone who is more poised, like a more versed small business person who has a 
real business structure established. Yeah. Um, yeah, where they can totally. go, like where the SBA can just give you some out amount of money. I mean, that has happened, right? And not yeah. a lot of my friends know how to take advantage of that. But if you mm-hmm. were of a certain business scale and had some acumen, you could literally get free money from the government. Whereas, yeah. and, I'm, and and that free money was more than a whole Sondheim, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Like. So like, that's just a structural issue about formalizing versus informalizing and meeting people where they're at. So then mm-hmm. that means that there's got to be some public option or thing that exists that is before the grant, which is yeah. housing that's really affordable, below mm-hmm. market rate, way below AMI. And we're talking new metrics, yeah. totally new metrics. AMI is total bullshit you know, it's gotta be like 400 a month and it's gotta be a broad understanding of what an artist is um, because Mm -hmm. informal economies have grown. And, um, and then I, I guess from this, from a stable housing standpoint, that's still open and, and mixed use, like taking the copycat, but investing $150 million into it so that it's wheelchair accessible, um, safe, weatherized ventilation shared communal cool resources like habitable you know in a full sense no totally habitable because frankly it isn't it's just been grandfathered in um you know different units are in different states but it's tough living in some units it's really tough um so then but it's like can you build a 16 by 24 foot sculpture in any other space no can you like do a photo lab and a silk screening spot that you just fucking build because you want to and don't have yeah. to ask anybody and it can easily clean up? Um, no, there aren't many raw spaces like that. So it's like these two things have to be combined. So they're, and that compliance issue around safety just needs to be completely offset by the federal, state, or local. That's just, that's completely offset private developer builds a quality home. Um, and then there's housing vouchers for lots of different artists so they can get on their feet, not have to kill themselves over some other shit. And then maybe focus on building their brand and business. Um, but something needs to get taken away. And that's that like sweat equity work in the restaurant industry. It, it feels like what you're describing is more of the true sense of being equitable to the artist in the broader sense. Um, because I think it's too many baristas, you know, yeah, they're putting in those tough. 40 hours or whatever. And while still trying to create, it's so tough. Yeah. You, you start looking at like, you know, one of the things I really like about here and we're wrapping up here. So I'll give you the opportunity to shamelessly plug your stuff. But mm. um, yeah, I just think that, it's so much, it's so many hurdles that are sitting there that just kind of prevent you from creating as, as an artist and whatever level you're at, when you're still reliant on, we go through a pandemic, like we're still in the middle of, and you're trying to create while feeding yourself. One of the main things that you described that I heard people talking about cancel rent, you know, such a, such a really expensive thing. And it's like, I can't, I got to choose between buying paint or buying or making, you know, pigment or what have you, getting pigment in, in acrylic to make paint or what have you and getting canvases from paying for my BG and E or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Once again, um, the grants, 
what I'm trying to say is that the grants are meaningless if you're not poised to um, meet them or to if you're not poised to take full advantage of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And most people are not poised to take full advantage of the opportunity because they're struggling with something more basic. And that's it. Yeah. So if you just provide for that more basic, more expensive thing, um, mm-hmm. the grant process, I believe, becomes more easy um, to think of like a, a real honest application process. I think you just get a lot more numbers. Yes. Um, you know, you get a lot more people applying, you know, the opportunity to expand those programs. But um, there's really nothing else. I mean, I can't imagine anyone even says anything else. There's just got to be money. I know there's got to be some sort of application process, but maybe it is more SBA related. So everyone just gets taken up to speed so they can actually manage their business to some capacity. And then you just have to qualify for certain stipulations that have nothing to do with some odd category about who is an artist. Cause that's kind of weird. Like that's a whole other problem. It's got to be a very broad description and obviously inclusive mm-hmm. of all kinds of housing, like a mixed yeah. use housing, um, which the copycat is. There aren't just artists living here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's part it's, of it's this a lot of people almost... with bad credit. It's like you have bad credit, <laughs> you can live here, and that's like a, sounds like you're doing a general resource. commercial. <laughs> well, we need to just remove that problem. It's so crazy, yeah. you know. It's like that just should be a non-issue for poor people. And then we can talk about all this other shit. <laughs> we just mix the use and we don't make the same public housing mistakes. And as we did in the braces past, you know, I don't know if we can do that, but well. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> you know, whether can we, can we do public good in a way that's different from urban renewal that destroyed so much of black life in Baltimore, frankly, you know, West Baltimore, East side, all the highways. Yeah. That was big government. So- so yes, because I've lived in both places and yeah, <laughs> I took right. a trip to West Baltimore last week and I was like, huh, I thought this was uh, an opportunity to, you know, invest in Baltimore and all of this. And it's like, there's nothing here and it's a food desert. I was like, thanks. Appreciate you. Well, yeah, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. It's tough. But yeah, but we'll, it's, uh, uh, yeah, just the highways and all the shit. So conversation for, for a later time, but, um, I want to thank you for coming onto the podcast and where can he find you on social media and your website, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So I am GaiaStreetArt.com online and on Instagram, I'm just Gaia street art. That is where I'm most active. Yeah. So- <laughs> So, so for Gaia, noted, uh, uh, Roman track star evading all, <laughs> evading everyone and doing his thing. Um, and I appreciate the work that you're doing and I appreciate the, uh, the insight you provided during this, um, interview. This, this was great. So, yes, um, sir. thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so for Gaia, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.